Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready! Throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, presented by BetMGM. I'm Gilles Gallant. I'm joined by Evan Abrams each and every week. He filled in for me for week 17 and 18. Did an amazing job. But now we are back together, and we are going to dive into the Sunday NFL action for week 18. We're also going to look ahead to wildcard weekend and all of the finalized playoff matchups. Brandon Anderson, he'll join us a little bit later for the hot read. And then Patrick Everson from Vegas Insider. He'll give us a market report, rather, on how sportsbooks in Vegas fared in Week 18. But first, Evan, we got to go right to Sunday Night Football. We got to talk Bills Dolphins now because the ripple effects of this game. Initially, I thought this one was going to have a ton of trickle down effect, but uh, the Jaguars completely took a, a shit on the field, pretty much. Uh, so that pretty much put a wrench into all that, where the Bills probably didn't need to have the game now to get their playoff spot clinched, but. Bills Dolphins, 21 to 14 win for the Bills. Total does go under a 48 and a half. The Bills, as three point favorites, do cover, but the Bills win the AFC East, Evan, fourth straight year. And to be honest, if you think about back when we were doing the pod after week 12, when they were six and six, it just seems kind of improbable to <laughs> me that they won five games in a row since that Eagles loss. And here we are now, where I legit thought, I mean, I was texting you off air. I thought Josh Allen was going for the interception lead, not the AFC East title before we were, uh, I mean, two early interceptions. I mean, he has 19 now on the year and the first half injuries just piling up. Gabe Davis left. Rasul Douglas, who was arguably their best player in the secondary. And, you know, I thought we'd start to see the Bills kind of slowly fade from the injuries. But if anything, it was the Dolphins that started to fade there in the second half. To be honest with you, I kind of think this all started with the Titans game. Uh, the collapse and the loss. Buffalo was as high as 16 to 1 to win the AFC East earlier in the season. Incredible. Uh, and it's weird to say, but Buffalo's looked good, but I don't think they look incredibly dominant. They have tons of injuries. 
probably an equal amount when you go all the way back now to Miami, who literally every play, it feels like they lose two players per play. Uh, so that, that, that feels like what's going on there. So I think Miami's just glad the game's over. Uh, and now they do have to go to Kansas city, uh, which this is noteworthy, right? So the choice here was they win the game and they play in 74 degree weather. They lose the game and they play in zero degree weather. So the loss pretty difficult, uh, especially when you think about what the, the, the road is now for them, right? Cause it's probably Kansas city, then Baltimore, and then maybe Buffalo or something of that nature. Uh, not great. Not great for Miami. Yeah, absolutely. And the injuries, I think, was a key thing to bring up because they were losing guys left. Van Ginkle left with a foot injury. <laughs> yeah. But even the Bills, too, like Gabe Davis left in the first half. Rasul Douglas, I mean, he was AFC Defensive Player of the Week last week. Is probably their best player in the secondary, and he left uh, in at halftime. But I think – you were right, though, Evan. Neither defense really seemed to be sharp because even in the first half, even though there were some interceptions early from Josh Allen, two picks from him, uh, one pick from Tua, they still had over 400 combined yards uh, just in the first half. But it was the Bills, again, that slow start. Fewest points scored in the first half since week nine. They were able to get a little bit of luck there uh, with a special teams touchdown to regain that momentum. But this Dolphins offense... Evan, we don't have to go too hard on a talking head kind of idea here. But again, just this is just an observation for me about the Dolphins. For a team that led the NFL in points per game, has the passing yards leader in Tua Tagovailoa, has the receiving yards leader in Tyreek Hill, has the co-touchdown leader in Raheem Mostert, they got a lot of offensive duds this year. When you look at their full resume of teams they've played, there's a lot of games where that such innovative, creative offense that we always praise Mike McDaniel for. It's not matchup proof. Like we saw the, a dud against the Ravens. Last time they played Kansas City, it was a dud. The Eagles, you know, the Bills in week three. Again, they're not matchup proof. So am, am I out of out of turn here in saying that I think the Dolphins offense is a bit overrated? I think you're fine saying it. I think it depends on where they're playing. I think it depends on if everyone's healthy. You saw a Miami team today that was kind of decimated. I mean, without Waddle and Mostert, it's just it's a completely different team. Uh, I mean, sure. Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill, but he even looked kind of hobbled at points. So I just, the way I kind of looked at it while watching this game, Miami wanted this game to end. They yes. did a lot of different things <laughs> to try to win the game at different points. They were even winning at certain points, but it just felt like, they're just the walking wounded. So it's just really hard for me to try to grade Miami's offense uh, at this point. Uh, I just know that they're going to face a Kansas City team now that has very similar issues, right? Their offense isn't running. They're not doing great things. So I think the matchup isn't absolutely terrible aside from the fact they're playing in you know, zero-degree weather, which you know historically for Miami – I tweeted this out, 8 and 19 straight up last 20 years, sub 40 degrees, and two of stinks on the road versus uh, winning teams, 2 and 9 straight up. Uh, so not the best spot for them, but I've been fading Kansas City all year. So, I, I you mm-hmm. know, to me, this is a, uh, it's a difficult handicap, to be honest with you. One last note before we go on to the playoffs. I just want to make one last point about the, the Dolphins offense because, of course, those – Games that I just refer to, like their circumstance, context, injuries, I, I get that. But here we are in a put-up-shut-up moment here. Minute 53 left, chance to tie it. Tyreek goes up for a catch, gets hurt, leaves the field. Next play, Tua throws a pick. 
So when you were talking about there just a second ago, two is stinking on the road. This isn't, and again, the other thing too, the Bills secondary, they're good, but I think Kansas City's secondary is way better from a DVOA perspective. They're Completely top agree. five. And, you know, so they're going to be having some issues, especially with Tyreek uh, going for his nice little Kansas City homecoming. I think that will be really <laughs> fun to watch. But let's talk about those playoff games now. So Dolphins, Chiefs, that's going to be on Saturday, January 13th. That's going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern, the nightcap game. Chiefs now opened up as three-and-a-half-point favorites. Actually, they opened up at three. It's already moved to three-and-a-half with the over-under of 45. But on the other side now, as a result, the Bills, the two-seed now in the AFC, they're going to be hosting the Steelers on Sunday, January 14th. They're going to be the uh, the opener on that day at 1 p.m. Eastern. And the Bills, their spread moved fast. Like they were at <laughs> seven-point favorites, eight-and-a-half. I'm seeing nine and a halfs out there right now at the total of 42 and a half. What, what kind of observations are you seeing here from these two games based on the spreads and what we're seeing so far just with early action? Yeah, I'll toss a few things out here. So I'm already seeing bills at 11 at certain oh places. Oh my God, so, yeah. So I that's think, how quickly it moved since I yeah. that was like five minutes ago of recording. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to fly. Uh, I think that's going to be at least double digits. And it's worth noting because I just quickly looked it up. Double digit spreads playoffs, 13 and nine straight up for favorite uh, against a spread. I'm sorry for favorites last 20 years. So not, not awful. So these teams usually double digit favorites for a reason uh, and an interesting handicap because Pittsburgh probably shouldn't be in the position oh that they're God. in. They probably got pretty lucky. Uh, and then let's take a step back for a second. So you've got McCarthy versus the Packers Stafford versus the lions. You've got the Deshaun Watson bowl because you've got the Texans versus the Browns. <laughs> and then you've got Tyreek versus the Chiefs. I mean, good, yeah, it's a pretty good setup here. Uh, I think we've got a fun wild card weekend ahead. And then and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but then you get you give the Eagles the rest they need, uh, potentially. So doing a, maybe a favor for Philadelphia, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be good, some good games. Well, it's good to refer to as well when the Dolphins and Chiefs played because they did play in Germany earlier this year. And I think that's important because yeah. people will look at the game log and they'll think, oh, they played, oh, they must have played an arrowhead. Like, no, no, no. They were playing in Germany. Chiefs were one and a half point favorites, but the total was closer to about 50. Seeing about 45 now, starting to see some of those offenses regress, like you had mentioned about how the Chiefs are struggling offensively to even manufacture any points, let alone <laughs> you know, and then also their defense has been pretty good too. From a Bill Steelers perspective, again, I, I like the fact that the Steelers might be able to move the ball down the field with Mason Rudolph and that offense, but wow, like their defense, I think is going to be in trouble, especially if TJ Watt isn't playing. Uh, it's a lot of points for Mike. <laughs> like just off the bat, that's that's a that's a hefty amount of points for Tomlin. Uh, no matter the situation, and the thing that's funny about it, like historically, Josh Allen tends to win games by a lot of points. Uh, at home, too, yeah. Yeah, especially at home. Uh, but the handicap's tough because the handicap's got to be, can Pittsburgh score any points to be able to <laughs> stay in the game with Buffalo in that sense? Uh, so we'll see. But uh, like large spread, and I wouldn't be shocked if it got a little bit higher. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll monitor that throughout the week. Make sure to go to actionnetwork.com. Uh, you can check all the line movements, previews. We're going to have touchdown. But we're going to have full coverage of every game for wildcard weekend on actionnetwork.com. All right, now let's move to, depending on your viewpoint, 
arguably the biggest disappointment of the day, the way the Jaguars just completely laid a turd on the field against the Titans today. So as a result, the Jaguars lose, or we could spin it, the Titans win 28-20 to with the total of 42.5 going over, but the Jags is 3.5-point road favorites. Uh, do not cover. Evan, what an implosion, man, because that might be one of the worst disaster finishes to a season I can remember in the NFL. Uh, yeah, and even to put it into context, so the Jacksonville Jaguars started 8-3. and three. They finished 9-8, and eight and they missed the playoffs. Only one other team has done that in the last decade. That's the 2021 Ravens. So uh, starting 8-3 and, oh, three and missing the playoffs. time. Yeah, and, and, and for that, it's an injury. Uh, so it, I believe it's the fourth time in the last 30 years that a team has started eight and three and missed the playoffs. It's just, it's an absolute collapse. And it's also the second time in three years that we've gotten to this point where Jacksonville really needed to show up in a situation. And now Jacksonville folklore, uh, Carson Wentz and Ryan Tannehill. It's just, it's, it's a pretty bad situation. Uh, and then you kind of have to flip it around just for a half second here with Tennessee. Derrick Henry. 19 for 153 on the ground, his most rushing yards since October of last year. Uh, welcome back and goodbye. It was a nice farewell. And nice he did his job. Off. Yeah, he did his job and he did really, really good for uh, all us Tennessee betters. So thank you. Well, the one thing I was going to mention too is the Jaguars, where they were from a AFC South perspective, because Crazy. From week 13 onward, it's just a nightmare sequence for the Jags. Like prior to the Bengals game with that Lawrence ankle injury where he's basically being carried out by security, the Jags were minus 800 to win that division. Texans are around 8-1. to one. Kudos to Brandon Anderson, by the way, for uh, picking the uh, Texans preseason to win the division. But they go 1-4 and four the rest of the way. The one game they do win, C.J. Beathard started. So and Also, to be fair. Uh, in the since that injury, seven touchdowns, seven picks for Lawrence. He was just he wasn't the same quarterback. Thank you for that because this sets me up. This is a bit of a talking head question, but I again I'm watching the game. I found myself asking myself, is Trevor Lawrence good? Like, is he good? <laughs> like and again, like um, he, there's a lot of chosen one, promised land, like Andrew, best quarterback prospects since Andrew Luck, all that kind of stuff, all that talk, right? And. Sure. You know, the first year, you you almost don't even want to blame it on him because of the Urban Meyer experiment. Last year, they got hot near the end of the year. They had that really encouraging win over the Chargers. And then the Chiefs, you know, they they gave they played the Chiefs tough, but, you know, just that's the way it goes. But, wow, for a team man that was like 8-3 and three at one point, this is just like an epic collapse that had ripple effects throughout the entire conference. It kind of took some of the drama out of the Bills and Steelers results as well, because once they lost, both of those teams basically knew they were in after that. So, yeah, it just when I watched that game, I was just like, I cannot believe that at the beginning of the year, I thought the Jags could have the best seed in the AFC. Now, obviously, with Trevor Lawrence, I think one thing I will just say, obviously, he was dealing with a shoulder injury, dealing with an ankle injury. Looked really good up until that ankle injury. Maybe they can carry over some of that momentum from what they got halfway through the year. But if they start off slow again next year, especially with this collapse, Doug Peterson is getting booted. Like there's no way that you can keep him along the ride of watching that collapse. And then if they start off slow again, and what will probably be a more competitive AFC South as long as CJ Stroud is continuing to play that he's played because wow, CJ Stroud 
rookie. <laughs> the Texans win the AFC South. We'll go to the Saturday game now. The Texans win 23 to 19. Now the total of 47 and a half does go under, but uh, that's not even close to the story for this game because, again, the Texans do cover as one-and-a-half-point favorites. And they're going to now host the Cleveland Browns, the Deshaun Watson Bowl, as Evan has referred to, <laughs> in the wildcard round. That's going to be on Saturday, January 13th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. And the Browns, they opened up as slight favorites, about one-and-a-half. It's now moved up to two-and-a-half. The over-under at 43-and-a-half for this game. And now, Evan, uh, I, I poached this stat from you, so I just wanted to cite it and just at least attribute it to you. But again, Stroud has made 14 starts in his NFL career. He's 5-2 and two against the spread as an underdog. And in the first half, and we saw this with that quick opening strike to Nico Collins, 6-1 and one against the spread as a dog now in the first half for C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I mean, he's looked unbelievable. Uh, and it's kind of interesting – Listen, the handicap here, when you look at, especially from probably the public's point of view, you have a rookie quarterback playing in his first playoff start against a guy who probably couldn't have more experience. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, that's the first handicap you might look at uh, in this situation. Uh, It's interesting from Houston's point of view. So an 0-2 team has now made the playoffs in eight of the last 11 seasons. So a nice little note for next year because usually those teams will get a a nice little bump in odds uh, and usually ends up happening as early in the year. So that's a fun one. And looking forward, since 1990, rookie quarterbacks, 11-18 straight up in the playoffs, 4-11 straight up of the last decade. Now the most recent one, Brock Purdy, did okay. Obviously got hurt. That all got derailed. <laughs> all right. so, yeah, did okay. Uh, but historically, a tough spot. And I think the other fun angle, honestly, is Houston, right? 200 to 1 in the preseason. So anyone who even has even close to that type of ticket is kind of on for a fun ride here and on for a fun home playoff game. So that's great. Well, another ticket that would have been hilarious. I didn't see anybody have it would have been having Andrew Beck for a touchdown at 13 to one, because now Andrew Beck, the fullback for the Texans scoring that touchdown is now the most profitable anytime touchdown scorer of the season, uh, which is just amazing uh, considering uh, all the the players in this offense that can get it going. The fact that uh, Nico Collins, again, he'll have nine catches for 195 yards. Again, that 75 yard touchdown on the first play just kind of really set the tone in that game. And also, you brought up many times on the show, like how Colts are a bit stinky, like a little bit fraudish, you know, just especially when you got Gardner Minshew, a quarterback. Now, the one thing I will say, I got into it a little bit online, just as far as the discourse about that fourth down play call, because for me, I wasn't as mad about the play call, but it's just you're going to do a fourth down play call of a screen pass to end the game to your third string running back. And you could say, well, you know, he had it in his hands if he had caught it. Well, Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss were literally getting five yards of friggin' carry, man, all the way down the field. Run the damn ball. Gardner Minshew is your quarterback, for fuck's sakes. Like, just run the ball. That's all they had to do. And instead, they try to get too cute. I think they could have won that game, potentially. Had they, Again, it's easy, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But for me, dude, that that thing just really bugged me about the way that we are kind of praising how the the Colts were on their up and up. And then this is what your play call comes down to, play of the year, game season on on the line, and that's your play call. I just – I didn't agree with it. 
I don't want to spend too much time here. I, I thought about it first before the game about how much that game was worth to Gardner Minshew. Like, is it a $10 million contract? Is it a $20 million contract? Like, if he, he throws three touchdowns, Colts make the playoffs. Like, how much do we forget that he was an inaccurate interception throwing, you know, quarterback all season? Who knows? Didn't happen. Doesn't really matter because, honestly, the pass was off target to Goodson. There's a reason mm-hmm. it probably wasn't caught. It was kind of short. Uh, the play call is what it is. You take Taylor and Moss off the field. And he's, I think he said it was, you know, part of the play sheet, right? It was third down. It's a type of situation where those guys aren't on the field normally. I think he just got in his head, like just run the damn ball. Like you said, but let's, let's move on. Colts aren't in the playoffs anyway. Right. So they're done. Yes. So we don't, we don't have to talk about the Colts anymore and I won't get that animated (laughs) anymore about that until we talk about Atlanta. Uh, But uh, Steelers Ravens, we don't have to talk about this game too much other than the fact that the Steelers did clinch by winning 17 to 10. They did cover as three and a half point favorites in a rain monsoon of a game. The total does go under of 34 and a half, but that Mike Tomlin road under trend dude is one that I'm really monitoring for this bills game that they're going to be playing because Mike Tomlin road unders over the last decade, 57, 27 and one just around 68% hit rate but the the Steelers voodoo, I think, is probably gonna is gonna end in Orchard Park at this point, man. Because I I, I don't think people understand how much of an impact TJ Watt is on this offense and how much of a pass rush that he generates from his side of the line. Um, and it's gonna be a big loss for them. Uh, I mean, they have other guys like High Smith who can really make an impact every once in a while, but that motor from Watt, especially with the way that the mobility of Josh Allen, not having him. It, if the Steelers were to pull off this win, it might be the best win of Mike Tomlin's career. Uh, I'll just put that out there right now as like a, a sign sealed approval from me. But now, uh, final game of AFC North. Uh, I just want we'll to talk about this one real quick. Is just Browns Bengals, where the Bengals win thirty one to fourteen. The total of thirty seven does go way over, and the Bengals cover seven and a half point favorites. I just wanted to give the Bengals a little bit of flowers for still trying, and I think the reason why I say that is because. They finished nine and eight, despite all of the Burrow drama that we have seen. Of is he going to play? What's his with his calf? Is his wrist? And you know Higgins is likely gone in the off season, so there's another weapon that they're likely going to lose. But I just wanted to give and acknowledge the Bengals for at least trying in the final week and really just having that winning record, and also to acknowledge the AFC North because. Awesome stat. First time since 1935 that a division has had all four teams finish over 500 and uh, very, uh, very uh, well done seasons by each team in the AFC North. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. 
and Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Action Network podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, now it's time for the hot read from our own Brandon Anderson. Brandon, what do you have us looking at for early wildcard weekend lines? All right, let's do a little playoff hot read. Hot read went 29-1 and in the regular season, 69% hit rate, nice. Already grabbed Bills minus 7.5 at the open. Hope you trailed that one on Twitter. Already catching some minus 10s in the market out there now. Let's go right ahead to Sunday Night Football. Rams at the Lions. Give me the underdog. Give me the Rams plus three and a half. We got all sorts of juicy storylines here. We got Matt Stafford back to Detroit to face his old team. We're going to get Ben Johnson and Sean McVay just dialing up heaters. Awesome plays all game long. And of course, Jared Goff against his old team too. Don't forget about that. They're the ones that got rid of Jared Goff and won a Super Bowl without him. And I think that's a key matchup here. Total's already 51 and climbing. We're expecting a lot of scoring here. And I think on one side, that's right. The Rams are going to score. The Rams have been the number two offense in football second half of the season behind only the 49ers. And Lions defense is not stopping anyone lately. So Matt Stafford, he's going to have a good game. Kyron Williams is running the football well. Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. These guys are going to just have a big game. Like the Rams last six games before Sunday when the rest and most of their starters, 31.3 points a game, at least 26 points in every game. Maybe just the team total over here if you want that. But I think the Rams are going to put up the points. They've won seven out of eight games since the bye week. The only loss that they had was against Baltimore, the team that is number one in every power rankings. And that was an overtime too. So the Rams pushed them all the way. I'm not sure about the other side though. Will the Lions score? Will they keep up? Rams have been top 10 uh, run defense over this back half of the stretch. And Aaron Donald, we know he's good. The rookie Kobe Turner, I think they can uh, get after it a little bit against that Detroit interior offensive line. They've had some injuries. It's a bit softer there. And I think too, this is where we're going to see why the Rams traded Goff into Stafford in the first place. Nobody knows better than the Rams how to beat Jared Goff. I think Raheem Morris is going to have some nasty stuff dialed up on how to get after Goff's weak spots. We also saw the Lions try hard on Sunday, and it might cost them Sam Laporta, the rookie tight end in this matchup. Maybe Khalif Raymond, too. They don't have a ton of weapons. The Rams have better weapons. They got the better quarterback. And then two trends I love here. In the wildcard round only, Home teams that just won by 10 or less. Detroit won by 10 on Sunday. Those teams are 17, 30, and 3 against the spread. 36% cover rate. That's Detroit. And home teams this round that missed last year's playoffs. Just 13, 29 against the spread. 31% cover rate. You want to grab this now. Rams plus 3.5. You'll want the hook here. Detroit has already 5 wins this season by under 7. So even if the Rams don't win... They might still get the cover here. So Rams plus three and a half Sunday night football 
in Detroit. And then second Harry, let's go to the finale of the weekend, the ugly one. Let's go to Monday Night Football. Give me a gross Monday night. Eagles at Buccaneers under 45. We saw this matchup already. Back in week three is 25 to 3 until we got a late Tampa Bay touchdown. Dominant Philly game. Looked a lot like a year ago where Philly dominated time of possession. They almost doubled them up there. Two and a half times as much yardage. Obviously, these are not the same Eagles since then. But the Eagles should dominate the trenches. Buccaneers do not have a good run game. They run mostly up the middle. That's the one area where Philly's defense has remained strong, stopping that middle run. So I think that's going to neuter Buccaneers' offense a little bit. Buccaneers' offense has not been good at home, much worse home than on the road. 25th by DVOA entering Sunday versus 10th on the road. They have not been good on early downs. They're not good early in the game. Philadelphia's defense, we know that's the story, right, that they are cratering. I don't know if the Buccaneers can take advantage here. Mike Evans and Godwin, they'll make some plays against the secondary, but I don't know if they'll do enough. And on the other side, Buccaneers' defense, pretty solid, right? Uh, They've been at 10th to 15th in most metrics for the season. And Philadelphia's offense really hasn't been as strong as it used to be. The offense is mostly built around the pass. But if you look at Jalen Hurts against Todd Bowles, this has not been a good matchup for our guy Jalen Hurts. Three games he's played against Todd Bowles' defense, only three passing touchdowns in those three games combined, and five interceptions, at least one pick in every game, under 55% completion rate, 217 yards a game, just not kind to Jalen Hurts. For whatever reason, he has not been able to solve this Todd Bowles' defense. Todd has had some answers, so a lot of trends to like here. Tampa Bay Andres went 11-6 and six on the season. Obviously, we got nine points in the Buccaneers game on Sunday. Home underdog unders. We talked about that all season. We got a primetime under here on Monday night. We know about that one. And then a wild card round trend. Outdoor unders. This will be outdoors in non-division games at 41 or above. Those games are 29 and 9 to the under, 76%. So what do I love about this one? What do we see on Sunday? We saw a lot of injuries from these teams, right? Jalen Hurts looked like he busted his finger. A.J. Brown left hurt, did not return. Devontae Smith was already out. I'm assuming these guys are going to play. It's the playoffs, but we don't know how they're going to be. Baker Mayfield, he was a question mark for the game. He was limping around out there. He's clearly not right. Again, these guys will play, but you never know what injury news we could get. And really, we never know if these guys will finish the game. And any one of those guys missing can really only help the under for us because there's just not a lot of weapons anyway. So I like the under here. I think that we can hit it any number of ways. Either one of these teams could just really lay an egg offensively. So we get a lot of paths to get to the under. And, you know, we've been playing these NFC South unders all season with the Bucks and all their all their friends in the division. Honestly, at this point, the Eagles are so mid, they might just be an honorary NFC South team at this point anyway. So let's stick with what's been working. And this is a key spot. You want to grab it now. 45, 44 and a half if you need it. 40, 41, 43, 44, those are all key numbers. That's like the most important range for totals. And I think this one's going to keep moving down. You never know if we get any weather factor or injury news. So you want to grab this above that whole range and get the under 45, 44 and a half if you need it. So that is our picks for wildcard weekend. Sunday Night Football, Rams plus three and a half at the Lions. And then a Monday Night Football prime time under to close the weekend. Eagles and Bucks under 45. Playoffs, baby. Let's have some fun. 
All right, thank you, Brandon. All right, now let's move to the NFC East where the Cowboys win the NFC East with a convincing win over the Commanders, uh, 45 to 10. The Cowboys cover is big 13-point favorites. Uh, the over does hit as well. Uh, no team has won uh, this division back-to-back season since, uh, I believe, 2005. So that to me, just the fact that uh, Cowboys uh, were able to get uh, the division win just showed that maybe at the start of the year that maybe the Eagles weren't uh, necessarily a lock uh, the way that uh, uh, the way that their fan base might uh, describe, but now uh, with that win over the Commanders, we don't have to talk about the Commanders really much anymore, other than just acknowledge that Sam Howell led the NFL in interceptions and cost me a Josh Allen oh. NFL interception lead ticket. But uh, that's neither here nor there because we're going to talk about now Packers Cowboys. Cowboys are going to be hosting the Packers. At 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, January 14th, Cowboys at 7.5-point favorites with an over-under of 49.5. And there's a lot of trends that will support the Cowboys and Dak Prescott in the spot, even as a 7.5-point favorite. Uh, I mean, Dak Prescott is at home. I mean, he's 37-7 and straight up, 31-12 and and 1 against the spread as a favorite of 6 points or more. Uh, when he's a six-point favorite at home, he's 19-9-1 and one against the spread. So the one thing that I will just say, though, is I'm a little ner- – as a Cowboys fan, I'm a little nervous about the Packers coming to Dallas. And the reason being is Jordan Love has kind of started to impress me, especially if you look at Jordan Love's game logs over the last eight games, dude, he's got 18 touchdowns and only one interception. And the Packers are 6-2 and two straight up in those games. They make the playoffs, obviously, in the first year without Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, I, I think the big takeaway here is we know what the Cowboys can do when they're big favorites and they could do that. But at the same time, it's interesting to see where the Packers are going to be from an injury standpoint. Uh, if we're going to be back to full health, uh, where the Cowboys and Packers are going to be able to see a full healthy roster against each other here. Yeah, I'm kind of with you here. Over a touchdown feels a little inflated. Uh, I'm kind of interested in Green Bay at over the number. Uh, I'll lay a few things just on this game from my notes. Uh, Just one thing from Washington. So Howell threw 21 interceptions and got sacked 65 times. No one's ever done that. Uh, Most sacks with 20-plus picks was John Kitten in 2006. That got broken today by Howell. So this was a season among seasons for this guy. I I hope – if he gets another chance, it's a different situation because 21 plus 65 is 86, and that's just a lot of craziness. Um, well, they they do have the second overall pick now. So, yeah. I mean, if they're in love with Drake May or maybe Michael uh, Penix Jr. <laughs> from Washington or, so, you know, whoever, whoever the quarterback du jour is that's not Caleb Williams, uh, they'll have a shot at it. Or maybe even potentially uh, the Bears, we'll talk about them in a little bit, maybe they decide they're going to, Ride this Justin Fields roller coaster for another year, trade back and get some picks, maybe get some more from the commanders. A lot can happen here for the commanders from a quarterback standpoint. But uh, in correlation with the Packers Cowboys game, because uh, Packers Cowboys, I just, as a Cowboys fan, I have a little bit more of uh, PTSD just of the Packers with Aaron Rodgers coming in. I'm not going to say that Jordan Love is on Aaron Rodgers' level, I'm just saying. There's some history there. So I, I'm a little uh, nervous, uh, especially given how Jordan Love has looked in the second half of the season to be able to rally. I will say, to get I will say this as well. Spot. I will say this. So uh, Dallas is 3-12-1 ATS in the playoffs since 97. Dak is 1-5 against the spread himself in the playoffs. 
McCarthy's coached seven home playoff games as a favorite, four and three straight up, three and four against the spread. This is just – listen, they play well in the regular season. They cover all these games. They do well. When it comes to the playoff game historically, it just tends to go the other way. So over a touchdown feels interesting for a Green Bay team that has almost nothing to lose. All kids – all entering this game in a situation they've never been in that they might just play and have fun and score some points. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I think it's a little scary. Yeah, definitely. So anything over a seven and a half, I think is a, is a healthy number, but that number may come down as we get closer to kickoff, but uh, Eagles giants, just as a correlation with this, where the giants win 27 to 10 today, uh, beat the Eagles outright uh, as four and a half point favorites. The under of 43 also hits. And the Eagles are just limping into the playoffs, Evan. Dropped five of their last six games. They fall to the wild card at 11 and six, where it seemed like they had the, after that Bills game, it seemed like they had the NFC East wrapped up. And just the way that the injuries have piled up, especially with, you know, it just started bad. And it just kept getting worse as the game was going on because entering the game, they didn't have DeAndre Swift. Devontae Smith had crutches walking around. Then Darius Slay was also out. But then A.J. Brown gets hurt. Um, And then Jalen Hurts kind of breaks his finger on his throwing hand, and they're down 24 to nothing at half. (laughs) So uh, I think the one thing that I would say, though, is they are getting to play the Buccaneers in the opening round. And they might have been given – Maybe like a little bit of a mini gift by being able to get the Monday game instead of being on Sunday, uh, like the Cowboys were. So now they're going to be playing Monday, January 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern. A little extra day there for some uh, injury rest. I think the rest is also big for Tampa. Baker did not look healthy whatsoever. He's hobbling around trying to make it to the first uh, first down line on that late one. He just He just did not look healthy, so he could use the day himself. Uh, agree there. I think it's worth some context on Philadelphia. So Philly's lost five of six. They started five and zero. Oh, started ten and one. Finished eleven and six. Just unbelievable kind of fail at the end of the season. Uh, since the NFL switched to a sixteen game season, two teams who started ten and one ended the year with twelve wins or less. Nineteen eighty six Jets, two thousand twenty three Eagles. I mean, it's a collapse we really haven't seen ever. Uh, so going into this game, I think it is a good matchup. It's the reason the spread's kind of tight, right? I, I think we don't know from a health point of view who the heck's going to be playing in this game. So <laughs> it's a little difficult overall. Uh, so I, I don't think there's much of a handicap here for me. And, and then one note on the other side, Giants finished the season eight and eight, eight, eight and one against the spread, six and one ATS in their last seven. So they were feisty. And if you gambled on them late, you, you cash some tickets. Absolutely. And I mean, Terod Taylor is infinitely better than whatever Tommy DeVito was putting (laughs) on the field. But I just want to mention one more thing about the Eagles, because it really looked like they waved the white flag by halftime uh, when Mm -hmm. they benched Jalen Hurts. Now, I think Jalen could have kept playing if it was a do or die game kind of thing. But in the second quarter, they were outgained 181 yards to zero at one point. Like, And now they've got the Bucs here coming up. And I know the Bucs aren't a tough matchup. They it beat them pretty easily. I think earlier in the year, there was a little bit of a garbage time touchdown at the end from Mike Evans. I think that might have covered the spread, but the game was pretty much the Eagles dominating them. But, you know, I guess the one thing that I was just going to say is this kind of where is this what the Eagles are now? Because the Eagles defense has just been awful all year, dude. Like with Matt Patricia, at defensive coordinator, like they've allowed the most touchdowns to wide receivers this year. 
They were ranking 20th in defensive DVOA versus the pass for majority of the season. And the Bucks, that's really what they were thriving on is just kind of gunning it to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and, and really uh, capitalizing on that. And that's kind of what just makes me a little bit worried about this Eagles team. If they're not fully healthy, that uh, it could be a little bit of an uphill battle against this Bucks team. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to stop Mike Evans. And even if they decide they can stop Mike Evans, then they're not going to stop Chris Godwin because they can't stop both of them. So as long as Baker Mayfield doesn't, you know, I don't know another phrase other than probably poop on the floor. Uh, I think they're going to put some. I think they're going to put some. Yeah, like I think they're going to put some points on the board here. I, I just it, it. The only thing I will say, and you can look at the numbers. I feel like Baker has played much better on the road than he has at home uh, this season. He's had, he has like a bunch of two touchdown, no interception games on the road. Uh, so maybe that is something, but it feels like a good matchup for Baker as long as he can get healthy, which he'll get the extra day and Philly will too. So should help the offense on both sides. Well, it correlates because he has 18 touchdowns on the road and three interceptions. And when you look at the Bucks ATS record, they're actually, I believe, uh, six and two against the spread on the road. So they, they were much better on the road from an ATS bet standpoint. And the stats from Baker Mayfield uh, uh, align with that. But I, I have to say, though, again, Baker is uh, the other thing that I would just mention because the total did go under today. Uh, it was a nine to nothing win over the Carolina <laughs> Panthers. Uh, the Bucks uh, cover as four point uh, favorites. Total thirty six and a half does go under. But I wanted to mention this about Baker, where over those last twenty two starts, I mean, we're seeing offensive explosions every once in a while from him, but games are still typically going under when he's involved. Fifteen to seven to the under in his last twenty two starts. And again, with a nine to nothing win over the lowly Panthers, it just feels like one of the most uninspired division title wins I can remember in recent history. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it feels like 44 and a half is a little high for Philly Tampa Bay, depending on what the situation is. But again, there's so much uncertainty. Uh, I just don't know if I can kind of have an angle either way there. Yeah, so earlier in the year, it was Philly four and a half with uh, the over under at 43 and a half with the Bucks hosting and the uh, Eagles won 25 to 11. Uh, even that one touchdown was Mike Evans there at the end. So nothing <laughs> uh, of consequence here. But, Obviously. Uh, but but again, that that's the story of, of the Bucks. Uh, Mike Evans has been unstoppable this year. He's the most profitable anytime touchdown scorer on the Bucks as well. All right, now let's talk about another side of the NFC South. Both of these teams, neither of them making the playoffs, so we won't spend too much time on it. It's more of a let's just have a, a sigh of relief. And it's talking about the Falcons and the Saints. Now, the Saints win easily, put up 49 points today. Saints cover is three-point favorites. Uh, They pretty much almost go over the total by themselves of 42. But coming into the game, Evan, like both teams were last and second last in worst ATS record in the NFL. They were combined 10-21-1 against the spread. So somebody had to cover in this point. And it's almost funny that Derek Carr probably saved his best game of the year for the last one. And over the last six games, I mean, he's kind of balled out. He said three games of three touchdowns or more cut down on the interceptions. But Arthur Smith. So as we're recording this now, it has now just come out that Arthur Smith has been let go of uh, his responsibilities as head coach of the Falcons. And I'm happy about that because I don't want to openly root against a coach 
But I was doing that today, man. That 14-play drive to end the third quarter by the Falcons was so dumb, man. They are at the one-yard line. They have Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier. Oh, let's hand it to Cordero Patterson. Now let's try another screen pass. I am just so glad that the Falcons are not in the postseason, and now they can maybe get a normal offensive coordinator and head coach, maybe even look towards uh, a quarterback that could actually complete a pass. But yeah, Falcons and Saints, I don't really have much more to add to that other than just they were probably two of the most frustrating teams to bet on for me all year. Props, sides and totals, you name it. They were just always, I go left, they go right. I think that's a really good way to put it. I don't think I have too much more to add other than these were probably two of the more frustrating teams week in and week out. I think we all kind of said to ourselves, after a win, you stay away from both of them. After a loss, maybe you consider it. And that was kind of the handicap every single week. Uh, from the Falcons' point of view, they end the season 5-12 and 12 against the spread. Worst record in the NFL. Falcons Ugh. hadn't lost 12 games against the spread since 1984. Arthur Smith, toast. I think the reason that there's optimism with Smith going out is because there's so many weapons on offense. Listen, if you replace Ritter and we actually get a quarterback in this city, in this place to run this offense, I think it's an interesting handicap. It's the reason we liked the Falcons in the preseason because we thought one of these quarterbacks were going to be competent and neither were. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, 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 that was the handicap. I just hope Atlanta doesn't draft Brock Bowers and we can move forward. Oh, if they did that with already having Kyle Pitts and Jonu Smith, uh, don't bring me down that roster malpractice <laughs> rabbit hole. Can't do that right now. All right, uh, Bears Packers. Uh, we don't have to talk too much about the Packers side of things. Packers win seventeen to nine. They clinch their playoff spot, uh, and uh, the total does go under of forty six. But I wanted to bring this game up, Evan, because I wanted to talk about Justin Fields because. The Bears get the first overall pick now with the Panthers finishing with the worst record in the NFL. But now we have a few seasons of resume now with Justin Fields as a quarterback. Kind of conflicted. I feel like I see flashes, but then I see a lot of times where I'm just like, oh, we got to move on from this guy. There's no way that you could pay that guy what he's going to ask for. And then you can't franchise tag a quarterback like that either. It would be cap suicide. So again, Justin Fields, 10 and 28 straight up in his career, 14, 23 and one against the spread in his career. There was a streak for a long time where if opponents even scored 20 points, it was pretty much an automatic W for the opponents. So tell me, should we, we don't have to go too deep into it, but should the bears keep Justin Fields or should they maybe just take Caleb Williams and restart the clock on the salary? Listen, I hear Chad Millman talk about this every single week for the last 18 weeks. It's been a topic for Chicago. I think this is honestly super, super simple. There's a ceiling with Justin Fields. Yes. Is he good? Is he talented? Can they win maybe one playoff game if they kept him? Possibly, sure. But he, I don't think he's the type of quarterback that's going to take you to where Chicago wants to go. So I think the decision is you get rid of Fields. You bring in someone else, maybe it is a lot worse. But I'll tell you this, if you keep Fields, I just don't think you get to that point. And I think that's the simple equation. That's the answer. So you probably get rid of him. You probably get a bunch of picks. You probably make the move for, you know, Caleb or something of that nature. And you see how it goes. You know, he might be good. He might be a superstar. He might be Mahomes. He might be this. He might not be. But I think we know what we have with Fields. And I think that's the answer. I think 
it's a match made in heaven for him to play in Atlanta. Now that you just brought that up with Brock Bowers <laughs> and you're thinking about, again, if Arthur Smith was still with there the in that offensive with, system with Mario. With the enemy. Bring the enemy from Washington to Atlanta. Ooh. Totally turn it around in Washington. He takes the head coach job there. Goes to get Justin Fields and – all of a sudden, we're running. I have no idea, but I just thought well, about especially that. Especially because Ron about. Rivera is definitely getting canned in Washington. It's already been reported on that front <laughs> for the commanders. So, But, yeah, I just Justin Fields, I think he could still probably be a decent quarterback somewhere else. But I think his time in Chicago at this point, uh, I think it's ran its course. All right. Now, uh, let's talk about uh, just AFC uh, North or NFC North. We'll wrap this up here for Vikings-Lions. Lions went 30-20. to 20. Uh, total does go over. They do cover as four-point favorites. Uh, the total of 47 does go over. Now, the Lions, they clinch the three seed. So they are going to be hosting Detroit legend and hero Matt Stafford coming back to play with the Rams. Rams-Lions is going to be on Sunday, January 14th. It is going to be the nightcap game at 8 p.m. Eastern. Opening spreads right now. The Lions were up to about three and a half, four at some books. It's now down to three, but the total sky high, highest total of all the playoff games at 51 and a half. And the Lions for the year, I mean, just like the, the, the Dolphins earlier, like I could point to some duds, you know, that they've had, you know, whatever else, but really it's just that Ravens game. If you really want to find one where it's a glaring loss, but 12 and 5 straight up, 12 and 5 against the spread this year. Jared Goff at home, 24 and 8 against the spread over the last three seasons. We have seen what he has done offensively when he is at home or even indoors, rather, compared to outdoors. It's, it's literally night and day. But really, the discourse that I took away from this game was should the Lions even have played their starters? Because they weren't going to move too much farther from second or third uh, in the seating. But it was such a bummer to lose Sam Laporta the way that they did, especially after him catching a touchdown in the game. Uh, and, and, I mean, Dan Campbell's coaching tactics, they've, they've taken a lot of heat recently, man. Like the ineligible, eligible receiver against the Cowboys, uh, leaving starters in a game that didn't really mean anything, some of the fourth down calls we've seen this year. So um, I'm kind of wondering if this might make – the Rams a bit of a live dog because of the volatility of maybe what was some of what we expect from Dan Campbell. Yeah. I like the hook. If I get the three and a half, I think it's interesting. I think it's three. It's probably a, a you know, a, a dead handicap. Uh, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. So Laporta hurt, I believe Raymond hurt as well. So I believe yes. both lions came out of that a little banged up. You saw it at the and end of Brian the game. Branch, Brian Branch, oh, okay. the rookie corner as well. Sorry. I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, too, no, that's, that's a good loss for them. But you could even tell post game. This was a uh, a mean mission for Dan Campbell. He looked <laughs> angry. Like this was like this. It feels like ever since that Cowboys Lions play, this is just an anger mission for him. Like this is something that he's going to go week in and week out and try to you know really dominate his opponents. And we're going to see how it goes. It could backfire at certain points because we've seen him be a little bit too aggressive. Um, but it's worth noting, again, in Detroit, Goff has been just incredibly different indoors. 35 and 16 against the spread. He's covered five straight. Just literally a different quarterback versus him having to go on the road somewhere else. So it's a great thing for Detroit, especially if you're going to be injured going into this game. And I think it's just also sports are just beautiful, right? I mean, Stafford, we get the game. He finally gets to play a playoff game back in Detroit. It's just 
beautiful marketing. The NFL gets exactly what it wants. Uh, so can't wait for that. What I think is going to be the real key factor between Rams and Lions is going to be that Lions pass rush. Because remember how we talked about Stafford and when he gets protected? When he gets protected, he looks Hall of Fame. When he doesn't, he looks like the old man falling down on the sidewalk. Like and, I don't know how you, you – know, yeah. How about this? I don't know how you don't bet Aiden Hutchinson getting a sack. Like I'm going to have to Multiple. see what those odds come out. Yeah, but but even you know you assume I think you're completely right, and I think that type of handicap is probably the right way to go. Uh, even if the Rams get back into the game, it feels like that's you know a good handicap. Yeah, for sure. So if we get us to three and a half, I think that's where you want to go is on the Rams side of things. But uh, fifty one and a half, the way that the unders are trending in this uh, in the NFL this year, you could probably wait closer to kickoff, and you might even see a forty nine and a half because the public is seeming to be uh, coming along and coming aboard the under train. I feel like for years it always was overs, 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 and maybe that's more of a prop thing. But now public is starting to come around on those unders. You might see that total come down a little bit, and then maybe you want to consider it over in that spot. But uh, well, I think the Rams are say- definitely a live dog. One thing I will say, uh, totals 50 or more since 2018 in the playoffs, uh, 14 and 6 to the under. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't read. 14 and 8 to the under. But still, okay. uh, under under by 3.4 points per game. So maybe a little inflated. Yeah, and I mean, I think touchdown scores, you're going to see it too just from that market where you're going to see probably four or five guys at minus odds. And whenever that usually happens – and under is very live because <laughs> you have to start looking now at guys like mid mid tier for touchdown scores. Like you're going to see two or three guys on the Lions side and two guys on the Ram side that are definitely going to be minus odds, specifically the running backs as well. Let's talk about Seahawks Cardinals quickly. We don't have to go too much into this, uh, but the Seahawks nice little comeback win. You know they win twenty one to twenty. The total does go under, but they don't cover as three point favorites, and the the under hits at forty seven and a half. Just a late comeback, a little too little too late. But the one note I wanted to mention, I posted this online a couple of days ago, was uh, the fun part for me was Tyler Lockett because he did catch that game winning touchdown. And just an interesting trend for me, but I put this out there that he had caught a touchdown in five years straight in the season finale of the regular season. Well, he caught a touchdown again in in week 18, six years in a row now that he has caught a touchdown in the final game of the regular season. He's around plus 200. Uh, But uh, the Cardinals finished the season around eight and eight against the spread or uh, sorry, a nine and eight against the spread. And uh, with that, I think they're going to be a pretty frisky team next year. I think I was pretty impressed with the fact that they brought Kyler back uh, halfway through the year, especially when they were already around like two and six and not even close to playoff contention. Um, but uh, those Eagles coordinators, both with the Colts and the Cardinals, I, I think uh, if you took a step back and just looked at the where these teams were projected at the start of the year and where they finished, not bad. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think Arizona's missing a defense. I think that's kind of simple. Week in and week out, no pressure, just too many first downs allowed, too many different things across the board that just made them vulnerable. Uh, so I think they do need to make it just to have a better de- uh, defense to help Kyler and kind of even it out a little bit. Uh, also, they've lost eight straight games with the NFC West straight up. So it's just they've struggled a little bit uh, in division. Today was they were one in 13 ATS versus the NFC West entering today. Obviously get the cover, uh, only losing by one, but just kind of a little bit of a, a tough run for them. So I think they just need to get a little bit more competitive. Uh, also, just turning, turning it to Seattle for a quick second. Pete Carroll, impressive nonetheless. Like every single year, 
he figures out a way, no matter who is the quarterback on any of his teams, whether it's Russ or Geno, or you know, even years where he's had to go to backups. 14 Drew years Lock. Seattle. Yeah, Drew Locke, nine, four, and one over to the over in his win total. Never won less than seven games. I mean, he's kind of Mike Tomlinish in that sense. It's just no matter what, just pencil in P. Carroll is figuring something out to win seven or eight games. The description that you used earlier of Justin Fields, that's kind of how I feel about Geno Smith too. Like where I kind of know the ceiling. Like I feel like from a talent standpoint, like he has a better. ton of t- You like Fields better than Geno. Like okay. Fields yeah. I, no, I think the- there's more I think there's more upside. I think with Geno, it's a little we we we've seen we've seen it. Like I think there's a little more upside with Fields where if Fields went somewhere else, maybe there's something else to unlock. I think we've unlocked with Chino. I think we've seen what there is to see there. Yeah, I was about to say, we ha- if we haven't peaked yet with uh, Gino, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's next. All right, uh, there's only a few games left. Uh, none of these factored in really to the, the playoff picture, so we'll go through these pretty quickly. But Broncos, Raiders, Raiders win 24-17. to 17. Uh, Total does go over 37, and the Raiders uh, do cover as three-point favorites. Rams 49ers. The Rams do win 21 to 20. Carson Wentz scores a touchdown for the third straight time against the 49ers in his career. The total does go over of 40, and the Niners uh, lose as four point favorites. And then Chiefs Chargers. Chiefs win 13 to 12. Total does go under of 35, but the Chargers as three point favorites uh, do not uh, win or cover. But finally, Evan. I've been saving this one specifically for you because I wanted to talk about this now. This is the final game we'll talk about. Jets-Patriots. So Jets win 17-3. Total does go under. A historic total, by the way. A total of 29, and it still went under. And the Patriots' two-point favorites lose outright for the first time in 15 games against the Jets. Lucky number 16, as they call it in New York. Uh, Finally beat the Patriots. Honestly, I feel like the snowball was a little bit wasted on the Jets Patriots because, like, from a visual standpoint, like I had my kids watch it and they were just like, "Wow, like it looked really cool." And then it's like, "Yeah, we're probably not going to see a lot of touchdowns in this game, so <laughs> don't be surprised if uh, it's just a lot of people falling down." Wait, we usually talk about snowvers. Uh, this wasn't a snowver because it can't be a snowver with Billy Zappi and Trevor Simeon. So I'm glad we never even had that discussion. Uh, it's probably worth mentioning closed 28 and a half, which would be the lowest over under in any game since 1980. Uh, and it went under shocker. Uh, it's also funny. I tweeted this out earlier. So the, the four lowest totals since 1980 college football and NFL within the last like 10 months. So obviously there's some sort of offense problem uh, across sports. Uh, but this was a chess move. This was, I, this was just funny to me that Belichick, uh, is the game that he loses to break the 15 game streak to basically pull the jets back like five draft selections. Uh, just a perfect chef's kiss to end it all. Yeah. We remember we talked about this. I think where I was talking about how, uh, where he would take Mac Jones out and put Bailey's Appy in for like a series at the end of the game (laughs) kind of thing. These checkers, moves that other GMs are making. Bill's over here playing chess, but Bill, is he going to be back with the Patriots next year? I mean, we don't have to go too deep into that kind of conversation, but sure. I mean, it was I mean, a bad I- look this year, man. It was a bad look this year. And I'm just not sure that uh, if I'm Robert Kraft, I can give him the keys to the kingdom on drafting the next player here of the arguably the next franchise player. 
My opinion, I think it's better they go their separate ways. I think Bill could ch- take another job, start fresh, Easily. maybe maybe put on maybe put on a pair of shorts, maybe go to the, the Chargers, something like that. I think Kraft goes somewhere different, starts anew, and Bill does Kraft a favor by getting him the the better draft pick. He also turns the Jets clock back, right? Now you can start at zero and have another coach win fifteen straight against the Jets. So I think he did him a favor. Look at that. Bill Belichick, <laughs> saint, just uh, a mother Teresa of football, just doing people favors all the time here. All right, so that is week 18 in the books. Now let's check in with Patrick Everson with Vegas Insider to see how sportsbooks fared in Las Vegas for week 18. Patrick? Hey, Jill. Thanks for having me on the Action Network podcast for NFL Week 18. Wrapping up NFL Week 18, also looking ahead to Super Wild Card Weekend. An interesting Saturday and Sunday at the books, Jill. Kind of a mixed bag. I think most books overall probably won, uh, but in some cases it wasn't necessarily a whole lot. However, what did contribute to the win was maybe a little bit less the games themselves than some of the futures decisions that arose out of especially Sunday's games and especially the Jaguars-Titans game. There were a couple of odds makers that told me they were upside down to the Jaguars not only in division futures to win the AFC South, but also with the Jaguars season win total of nine and a half. The Jaguars don't win the AFC South and they don't clear their nine and a half win total. And they said the same situation was true of the Atlanta Falcons with a win total generally of eight and a half. The Falcons fail to get to nine wins with their blowout loss to the Saints. So those two decisions in particular helped make it a better day for uh, for a few Vegas odds makers and probably some odds makers across the country. Um, some interesting tidbits. There were a lot of uh, there was a, a lot of uh, action on the bet of no touchdowns and different books places in different categories. Some of this, some of them had no touchdowns scored in the first player to score a touchdown. Some of them had anytime touchdown, and it, and and you could choose no. Well, a lot of people chose no in that Jets Patriots game, including me at plus seventeen forty. Could have been diving into a ton of Chili's money and bottomless chips and salsa, but Brees Hall had to rip off that late touchdown run and break my heart and take a big win away from me. And probably a lot of other people, and probably a bigger win for others because I'm just betting hashtag Chili's money. And then, of course, uh, the Bills-Dolphins game, that was the biggest game of the week for sure. And most books definitely needed the Dolphins in this game. So the fact that the Bills got there, won and covered, took away from their bottom line a little bit. Like I said, it was kind of a mixed bag. That may have even made it a losing weekend for some books. And in fact, one odds maker told me our weekend comes down to the last game. We need Miami, especially in the futures market. Uh, they saw multiple five-figure wagers on the Bills to win the division uh, title, the the AFC East. Again, kind of talking about this whole thing with the Jags and the Falcons and so forth, uh, division titles and and uh, win, you know, uh, season win totals. He said a Miami win would make our weekend. They did not get the Miami win, nor did they get a Miami cover. Now, moving along to Super Wild Card Weekend, because I'm generous of heart, even very late on a Sunday night as I speak to you, I'm going to spin you through all six games real quick with one Vegas odds maker I spoke with about what happened. Browns are the first game out of the gate against the Houston Texans. It's a rematch of a game a couple of weeks ago, but the Texans were without C.J. Stroud in that game. Browns on the road again. This is that we were on the road the last time as well in a in a pretty easy victory. Browns open minus one and a half, already up to two and a half with this odds maker. And that the odds maker said, I think that's a result of the market not typically trusting a rookie quarterback in this situation. 
Also, the success rate of a rookie quarterback, rookie head coach in the postseason is pretty low. And he said the market tends to bet against that. Dolphins against the Chiefs on Saturday night. Opens Chiefs minus three and a half. Stays Chiefs minus three and a half. And the odds maker noted when these two teams played in Germany, it actually closed Dolphins minus one. Remember, the Chiefs won that game 21 to 14. But he said this ain't that game. And it's going to be freezing cold. He said the wind chill could be below zero. That's not Dolphins weather. Weather. You got a QB from Hawaii who's never started a playoff game against a guy who's played a zillion of these cold home playoff games. And uh, so that's that's certainly an issue there. Remember in last year's playoffs, Miami went up to Buffalo and I believe had a backup quarterback in that game. Steelers against the Buffalo Bills. That's the opening game on Sunday. This game opens Bills 10. Actually went down to Bills 9.5. The oddsmaker said we were looking for a nibble at 10 and we got it. They were hoping to see a little bit of sharp play and they did. Um, double digits in a playoff game. He said that tends to be something that the wise guys are looking for. However, he still expects the public to very much get involved on Buffalo and expects that the book is going to need the Steelers in this game for sure. Packers and Dallas in the middle game of the Sunday sandwich of wildcard weekend games. And this game opens Dallas minus seven and a half. He said there was a little bit of debate on the open number, but Dallas plays very well at home. And he said he would expect the public to be all over Dallas, even though uh, Jordan Love has looked good. Remember, he is a first-year full-time starter. He said, I would be very surprised if we don't actually need Green Bay outright in this game. And uh, I don't think anybody else would be surprised if they need Green Bay outright as well. Rams against Detroit on Sunday night. Opens Rams minus, or Lions, I should say, minus three, minus 120. Still minus three, minus 120. And the reason they went three minus 120 instead of going right to three and a half, the oddsmaker said, I think that would be inviting the wise guys on the dog right out of the gate. Um, he said, it's hard to know how the public is going to bet this, but he thinks the public's going to be on Detroit. And at the very least, you got three games on Sunday and the first two teams he noted are pretty sizable favorites. So it's pretty easy to put your money line parlay together. Buffalo to Dallas to Detroit equals profit. We'll see if it actually equals profit. The NFL sometimes tends to think otherwise NFL betting. And then the Monday night game to wrap it all up in, on Super Wildcard weekend, you got the Eagles at the Buccaneers. The Eagles are absolutely reeling. But they open minus two, already up to two and a half. And the oddsmaker said, we took sharp action on Philadelphia minus two on Sunday night. But he thinks this uh, spread is going to stay right in this range, two, two and a half. He said, I would be surprised if it got to three because Philly is playing so bad right now. I know that Tampa doesn't look very good either, but he thinks betters are probably going to hold their nose and take the Eagles in this game. So there you have it. A little look back at NFL week 18, wrapping up how things went for some of the books in that final week of the regular season and a look ahead to all six Super Wildcard Weekend games and opening odds and a little bit of early activity and so forth because I am full service, Jill. Have a good week. Thank you, Patrick. And thank you for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Enjoy a nice little Monday break from football and keep an eye out for all of our NFL Wildcard Weekend podcasts right here on the Action Network. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.